Welcome to the Faking It Podcast. I am your host, Miriam Hart, and I am here with Rosina, the founder of Her Future, Her Decade, and a huge organization based out of Australia that's now global. Thank you for all the work you do supporting women. Uh, and we're going to be talking about the aptness of anger. Do you want to give, before we dive into that, you want to give a quick introduction on who you are and yeah. Yeah, sure. I'm Rosina. I am from Newcastle, Australia. I'm a senior at Stanford studying philosophy, mm -hmm. focus on political philosophy, particularly questions about like democracy and political systems. Cool. Um, yeah. <laughs> I think we can do better than democracy, basically. Interesting. Okay. Um, that's going to be another episode. Yeah. <laughs> um, as well as feminist philosophy, especially like epistemology cool. and how, you know, knowledge is constructed, power, like oppression is everywhere. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and I'm graduating next week in like six days. Yeah. Which is super um, exciting. And then I'm going to continue with my feminist women's rights work because cool. there's a lot to do. Totally. There's a lot to do. Mm -hmm. uh, and so one piece of that is what we're going to be talking about today, Yes, which is on the aptness of anger. This is written by a philosophy professor at Oxford, the youngest woman of color to become a professor at Oxford in philosophy, Amazing, uh, which is pretty cool. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the youngest, like, philosophy professors to ever get professorship at Oxford, oh, wow. which is really cool too. She's like really awesome. Uh, and it's a new article came out in the past few years and it talks about anger and as it relates to women. Do you want to give a quick intro on the article and like a little summary on what she talks about maybe, and then we can dig into it? Yeah, sure. Okay. So my understanding of <laughs> this piece was um, especially how anger was being talked about as a tool of oppression mm -hmm. and to marginalize people's voices. So when injustice occurs, and I feel like, you know, we know this somewhat intimately as women, um, anger can be a very real response, mm -hmm. but the kind of like political frame or like, um, rationality of like, what is good discourse mm -hmm. seems to depict that it's not. Right. Um, and if you're angry, you're like crazy, mm -hmm. you're a bitch, there's right. something wrong with you and it's right. not productive to the yeah. conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, but there's actually this group of French feminists mm -hmm. who are like, no, anger is justified. And this kind of like complacent state of acceptance mm -hmm. in order to be rational is actually what keeps oppression and all these systems going. Right. So that's what I understood yeah, and where I place it. Yeah. She, in the first sentence of her article, she quotes, or she references a debate in the 1960s between James Baldwin, James Baldwin, William F. Buckley, Buckley. James Baldwin is a novelist, talk about Black lives experiences in the 20th century. William F. Buckley had his own magazine and he was like a very prominent figure in the conservative world in the mid sixties in the U S and they had a debate at uh, Cambridge mm -hmm. and they both talked about the perspective. It was on, do you think that American prosperity and progress has come at the cost of black lives? Oof. So that was like the debate topic. Yeah. And so like William F. Buckley, white guy, James Baldwin, black guy, you know, Baldwin grew up in Harlem like had that experience. Buckley grew up, I think more in the South, had that experience as a white person. Um, 
And it was really interesting because what Buckley ended up saying to James Baldwin was what is your, your people aren't doing a good job because what they're doing is just getting angry mm-hmm. and anger doesn't create change. It's conversation that creates change. It's intellect that creates change. It's debate that creates change, mm-hmm. not anger, not just being rash and acting out and being a thug, you know, and all this, this rhetoric that was put on black people as kind of a racist tool to just keep them down. You know, that is kind of what Buckley in a sense was doing was just saying anger isn't helping anybody here. Like, let's talk, let's talk about it. And so that's kind of where she was coming from, where it's Mm -hmm. not even feminist, you know, telling people not to get angry is something that is, has been a tool across all different cultures, across all different people to oppress, Mm -hmm. you know, you, you, why are you at, like, why are you upset about your life? You know, like, yeah. just be complacent. Just, just be happy mm-hmm. that you yeah, have, just accept it. Just yeah. accept that you have food on the table, mm-hmm. you know, that you have a husband who loves you or, you know, just accept, like, why do you need more? And yeah. that kind of reminds me also of, um, the feminist mystique. Do you know who wrote that book? No. Betty Friedman. Oh, okay. Betty yeah. Friedman, the feminist mystique. And she mm-hmm. talks about like the problem that has no name, just women wanting more, yeah. you know, like having this, like being the housewife and just like having kids and having a husband and having some sort of money that is enough to live, mm-hmm. but them just wanting something more. And like yeah. anger is very interesting. And as it relates mm-hmm. to oppressed people. Yeah. Uh, and so what does, what does the author's perspective have on this? I guess there are a couple of quotes that I found interesting and mm-hmm. maybe before that one thing to ground it in like contemporary times, Yeah. Um, which I think is fascinating is in terms of, the kind of conservative backlash that's occurring, um, to progressivism. Mm -hmm. Um, I've noticed this on campus a lot, actually, um, that when I want to discuss my progressive ideals around like egalitarianism or feminism or charting, like, you know, a rights-based, um, society. And if I express any kind of like emotional sentiment to Mm -hmm. do with that, people, especially a lot of like white male contrarians who I engage with on these issues are super quick to be like, why do you feel something or like, why are you being so emotional or emotive Mm, about it? And that's not even, I haven't even reached the point of anger. And like, oftentimes these injustices or these inequalities do infuriate me and make me angry. But it's this general like delegitimization of emotions. Right. And, but like the fact of the matter is that someone's like fun debate is someone's lived day to day oppression. Right. And also what I think is really interesting about that, unless you have something that you want to finish. I think also when people say that, especially men, when Mm -hmm. men say, why are you getting so emotional about this? You know, I find it to be so interesting because that means that there is an appropriate kind of aggression Mm -hmm. that they deem to be appropriate when men are rough with each other, you know, Mm -hmm. like when men decide to just like take it out physically, like they take out their emotions by like going on a run or being physical or being aggressive. Like that's appropriate. Like that's an apt way of being angry, you Mm -hmm. know, aggression, male aggression, as opposed to women, when women are angry, when women feel aggressive, that's why, why are you getting aggressive? Why are you getting angry? That's not appropriate. Mm-hmm. Exactly. When I was supposed to do that and be like that. And so mm-hmm. it just shows that there's also this expectation of what is appropriate anger and who is allowed to experience it. Like Aristotle was saying how, like, what are appropriate times when man can be angry? Like that was mm-hmm. a, a topic of discussion in this paper. Yeah. Like, like they, they thought about it. When is an appropriate time to be angry for a man? And the only, and the reason it said only man, according to this article is because Mm -hmm. 
obviously women can never get angry. You yes. know, the slaves have no right to be angry. And so it just shows that anger is a privilege mm-hmm. to an extent. Yeah, Only certain people can experience it and that be okay, mm-hmm. which is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And it's also this weird assumption that we should be detached from like inequalities and injustices that mm-hmm. we should be this like rational agent who can right. engage in debate and discourse. Right. And I think, I don't know if you felt it, like we did a live about Roe v. Wade as well. Yeah. But just like the emotional burden of like going and talking to people who disagree for the spirit of like, you know, intellectual exchange, because apparently in a liberal democracy, that's like how you change people's opinions. Right. But there's a huge like personal and emotional tax in terms of emotion, anger involved in doing so. Totally. And as, you know, America becomes more and more polarized, I think that's super interesting Mm -hmm. that we want people to disassociate their feelings right oh that's kind of like um in the article she's talking about like effective injustice you know Mm, and yeah not being able to act on your impulse on your emotion when having these debates when talking about something that is uncomfortable that you don't want to be talking about you have to one be logical Mm -hmm. have this very intellectual and reasonable conversation and two also control the emotion that is so visceral, that is so natural to your lived personal experience, mm-hmm. you know? So yeah, it is an injustice that you can't be emotional about these things, yeah. that we have to control how we feel, mm-hmm. that we can't act like a crazy woman or a nasty bitch, you know, mm-hmm. and all this rhetoric around putting women down when they become emotional about a topic that is personal. Yeah. Yeah. So. And I guess, interestingly, the author like paints the value of anger. And there's one quote, right. which I thought was pretty good. Um, and it says, what makes anger intelligible as anger and distinct from mere disappointment is that anger presents its object as involving a moral violation, not just a violation of how one wishes things were, but a violation of how things ought to be. When I say that I am disappointed that you betrayed me, I imply that I wish you hadn't. When I say by contrast that I'm angry that you betrayed me, I imply that you shouldn't have. Mm -hmm. And I think that's pretty powerful in the sense that by making that distinction, anger does serve a moral purpose. Mm -hmm. And by serving a moral purpose, it then, as a result, serves a purpose in terms of action, policy, or change. Right. Because what has occurred is wrong. Mm-hmm. It warrants that anger. And therefore right. you need to do something to mm-hmm. redress this mm-hmm. as opposed to, oh, it's just an unfortunate reality. And what right. we're told, the modality we're taught to operate is in is, oh, it's just an unfortunate reality. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the complacency that comes with not being angry, mm-hmm. you know, like, and it's not just a complacency, but it's the agreeance yeah. too. You know, you're not just okay with what's happening. You're saying that this is a good thing, that this Mm -hmm. is all right, that I agree that it's okay that you are doing an injustice towards me, you know, because I'm not getting angry about it. Exactly. If I was angry, then that would be making it known that this is something that is wrong. Mm -hmm. That's kind of what this is saying, that it's important for us to get angry because then we let it be known to the world that what is happening to us is wrong. Uh, And so that is why anger is used under, I think, by suppressing woman's anger It is used as a way of oppression and a way for women to not just be complacent with a situation at hand, but to agree and promote a situation at hand say that I love this, Mm -hmm. you know, if they're not angry. And yeah, so I think that's, that's for, uh, for the most part, why people tend to say that women can't be angry Mm -hmm. to have control over us. Exactly. 
And I think like it extends broadly, like to our world order. Like right. if you think about some of the startling statistics we were talking about at lunch today, right? Like there are 650 million child brides in the mm. world, like 700 to 800 million people um, mm. are living in extreme poverty or experiencing um, hunger and malnourishment. Yeah, Like that is a lot of injustice. Like I can't even conceive of what, you right. know, 700, 800 million people right. looks like. But we live in this state of like subdued acceptance mm. where we kind of just like shrug our shoulders and go, mm. well, like it is what it is. Right. And sometimes I wonder if, you know, everyone had the instinct to respond emotionally to mm -hmm. these situations, to get angry about them. Right. And that was celebrated and validated as like the normal thing to right. do because, you know, you should have empathy and feeling for right. what people are going through, for what you're going through, right. for what your friends are going through. Right. Would that, and you, that was on a mass scale. Would that make a huge difference well i to, like i don't know if it's possible just because it's kind of like when you hear of one injustice then it's something that you feel emotional to mm -hmm. when you hear that the injustice happens again and again there is i think this depleting source of energy that we can of emotion that we can feel towards these causes you know it's impossible to feel angry i mean i think that it's very difficult to feel mm -hmm. angry all the time about all the injustices of the world yeah. it sounds terrible you know like yeah it doesn't sound like a great emotional state to be in. <laughs> that's why i think it's kind of impossible it's kind yeah. of like decision paralysis it's like mm. like injustice paralysis there's just so much injustice that i don't i can't feel anything because mm -hmm. everywhere i look there's injustice so instead i just live yeah. You know, and so it's very difficult. I think one of the reasons why maybe there is a lack of emotion mm -hmm. towards all the injustice of the world is because there's so much injustice of the mm -hmm. world that we become mute to it yeah. and just uh, like, we disconnect ourselves from that reality. Mm -hmm. yeah. Maybe there's a middle ground to be found, right? Between like not caring at all totally. and reducing the emotional effective anger-based response and then caring about everyone and everything, right? Mm -hmm. And yeah. I get the sense that this is what the author is talking about, mm -hmm. like recognizing the aptness of anger and the value and purpose that right. it can right. serve. Yes. And, and after I read this paper, I was, um, I went to a party. It was a graduation party mm -hmm. in with a lot of NYU students. Mm -hmm. And there was this one guy who was like hitting on me. And it was kind of funny because like I was not interested at all. Mm -hmm. And there's a group of people around me. And they're all just like watching him hit on me and like laughing about how the dumb things that he was saying, because he was yeah. saying very dumb things about like, I'm going to woo you. I'm going to be the best person, blah, 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 blah. Like just like weird shit. <laughs> yeah. It was very strange. I was mm -hmm. like, okay, that's strange, whatever. Like, but it was all good. Mm -hmm. He didn't say anything offensive. So it was fine. Okay. Yeah. Until he did say something offensive. And he said that I'm going to pin you against a wall and fuck you from behind. And it's going to be the most pleasure you've ever experienced. Something like that. Okay. And this is like, there's people around. Mm -hmm. This is out of context. And I got angry. Mm -hmm. And I don't think I would have gotten angry mm -hmm. if not, if I didn't just read this paper. Yeah. Literally two days oh, earlier. Wow. Yeah. Because otherwise I would have been like, that was a weird thing that this man mm -hmm. said to me. Yeah. You know, making a sexual comment in front of mm -hmm. other people saying that he's going to pin me against the wall and fuck me from behind mm -hmm. with his big dick. Mm -hmm. That's like very offensive yeah. and disgusting, mm -hmm. you know? And I would have... I, th I do think I would have just like brushed it off and been like, haha, that's weird and walked away. Yeah. But instead I decided to be angry about it. Mm -hmm. and, and I said to him, 
don't say that to me. Yeah. And I may have slapped him in the face. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I back it's it. It's possible. It's yeah. possible that there was a slap and that it hit mm-hmm. his face. Okay. Who yeah. slapped this was? It's a great question. <laughs> Awesome. <laughs> I may have to cut that part out. <laughs> no, keep it, I think. <laughs> but <laughs> that's justice, folks. Like, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but yeah, I just like, I don't think I would have allowed myself to be angry mm-hmm. because it's not what's, it comes naturally. You know, yeah. I've been so trained to be polite, mm-hmm. even to men and to people who sexually harass me. Yeah. Just you know? smile and take it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and Marilyn Fry, she mm. is a feminist philosopher. She talks about oppression, uh, and she talks about how oppression is kind of this like double bind. Mm-hmm. So she talks about how like we are told to speak up, you know, when like if let's say you're getting raped, you're told that you should say something, like tell him to stop, you know, like what did you tell him to stop? Mm-hmm. Did you say no? Yeah, you know, did you speak up? Did you like push him off of you? Did you, were you aggressive? You need to be aggressive. You need to do something. Mm-hmm. Otherwise he's not going to know that he's raping you, you know? But then we're also told to be demure and be polite and be passive and go with the flow. Mm-hmm. And so it's like this double bind where like, we can never be right. We yeah. can never win, mm-hmm. you know? Either we're too promiscuous or too closed off. Either we're too this or too that. We're too loud or too quiet. You know, mm-hmm. it's just like, there's so much there's no winning. And that's like what oppression is. Mm -hmm. And so I was in a situation where I was conditioned to be polite, Mm -hmm. but I decided to break that and, you know, be angry. And so I just think like, that's what the essence of this paper is really about Mm -hmm. is that when you face an injustice to go out of your shell, even if you're going to be looked at as like, going as, as a way for people to oppress you and saying like, Oh, Mm -hmm. you should have, should have been nicer to him. You know, you should have done something, not letting that get to you because there Mm -hmm. is no winning. We're in this double bind anyways. Yeah. So there's no way to win Mm -hmm. with the system. Yeah. Yeah. It was interesting when you like recounted that, um, anecdote and you, you know, said what he said, I felt this like deep sense of discomfort, like Mm. in my nervous system, but then also this kind of like, automatic response where it was just like okay like accept and mellow mm. and I think and just like experiencing that yeah. as we're talking about this yeah is how you know we've been socialized into acceptance right. where and I think because we've been taught that 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 over time that becomes the practiced usual response mm-hmm. and to go against it and challenge it almost to an extent doesn't occur to me mm-hmm. anyway and that means the barrier to challenging it is like really, really high. Yeah. But it was that same like familiar feeling of instances of discomfort often at the hands of men Mm -hmm. occur all the time. Right. But it's just, it is what it is. Accept, subdue, smile, move on. Right. Kind of thing. Like that's the mantra. Totally. Yeah. And then what's hard too is like even saying that often at the hands of men to me makes me uncomfortable mm-hmm. to say something like that, even though it is objectively true, mm-hmm. most of women's oppression is at the hands of men, mm-hmm. you know, like intermarriage violence or, mm-hmm. or just like, like femicide and just like rape mm-hmm. is oftentimes at the hands of men. Yeah. Saying that just seems so wrong. You know, it, it feels wrong because we've been told that we shouldn't 
say it like that. Mm-hmm. We, just, we should say it as like women getting hurt, but we can't mm-hmm. really say by who because then yeah. we're man hating mm-hmm. and we're like, like those crazy are the statistics. So, <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I completely agree with that. Yeah. And even when you look at like media reporting mm-hmm. um, in terms of how they talk about rape, violence, domestic violence, anything, it's always woman murdered, but it's right. like someone had to do that. Mm-hmm. And do we want to say who? did that kind of thing Mm -hmm. um and even in the case of like child marriage or whatever I went to a recent talk by Stanford Seed where they were talking about you know different interventions um in Bangladesh to address child marriage um and I think one of the key things they found is like assigning an agent who makes this happen Mm -hmm. rather than it just being some like abstract thing in the world that just takes place because then subconsciously or consciously when you have an agent then you have a mechanism for anger right for change yes. to direct your emotions right and then to like go and do something right. about it like it's not a fact of the world mm. that women must be oppressed or women right. must experience violence at yes. the alarming rates that they do there's someone on the other end mm-hmm. who is actively doing that and who needs to be held responsible right totally and it's just also, you know, like anger and all these emotions is something that we're not, we haven't practiced. We haven't been told that this is something that's okay to do. Like men have been raised to be angry. They have Mm -hmm. raised to practice aggression and anger with each other. It's been normalized for them. And so like, in terms of even before they direct their anger at somebody, Mm -hmm. how do we even practice being okay with being angry? Like, what are your thoughts on how we could just start to do that more? Mm -hmm. Because I think that we've been really told to not be angry and to be so complicit Mm -hmm. that it feels wrong to feel angry. It feels wrong to want to be aggressive. Mm -hmm. If that's even a desire that we have, because I think for the most part, we don't even get there, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, I feel shame and guilt whenever I, like they coincide with my feeling angry. Mm. Um, And that's kind of like that internal invalidation as um, well. It's not, yeah, it's like an internal effective injustice, essentially. Totally. Yeah. And it reminds me of what you said, I think maybe yesterday when we were talking, um, you said people oftentimes do things because they can get away with them. Mm, Um, And I think that holds (laughs) true. Yeah, I'm like <laughs> remembering your pearls of wisdom, <laughs> noting them down. Um, and I think that holds true in the context of men and injustice, and especially in terms of this New York Times article that I read and that I sent to you. This woman who was talking about how, you know, instances of sexual harassment had occurred throughout her life. Right. And her socialized response, her normal response, was just to accept it you know someone cat calls you someone grabs you someone hurts you right you don't say anything yeah um let alone get angry but if you tie it to the point of men getting away or other people who um you know create injustice getting away or not getting away with it what happens if you start if every woman starts calling or person starts calling that out Mm -hmm. i feel like you know, right. there is policy change, there is normative change, but right. there's also a level of just like interpersonal change. Totally. If as a collective oppressed groups just absolutely don't accept it, right. then I think that creates huge behavioral shifts. Mm-hmm. Because when you call out sexist jokes, you call right. out sexist behavior, you see that one, they're really like confronted by the fact that you even did that. Right. And then because they're human beings Mm -hmm. in a social context, you see the shame and the guilt like overcome them. Yeah. And I think that is like 
incredibly powerful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That reminds me of Simone de Beauvoir in her book, The Second Sex. Mm -hmm. She talks about how women, unlike the working class, they didn't have a place of gathering. Mm -hmm. You know, they were always kept throughout history in the women's quarters, in their homes. They couldn't leave their homes. You know, there's no place for us to gather and to talk and to say like, what injustices are you facing? Yeah. You know, and it became this personal experience, not a shared woman experience. Mm -hmm. And I think that for she argues that that's one of the reasons why we haven't really created change as a woman group because we're not unified. Mm -hmm. And so I think that we're really still starting on becoming unified. We're still not unified enough to be angry together, you know? Exactly. Uh, and I think it's hard too, because there's so many women that are against this idea also, mm -hmm. you know, that have different views than this independent free will perspective. Mm -hmm. I think mostly because, you know, it's an attack at them personally that their life was a lie. Mm -hmm. And I know what it feels like to think your life is a lie and it fucking sucks. Yeah. So I totally get it, you mm -hmm. know, but I think it makes it harder that there is the older generation of women and some younger generations of women who just genuinely disagree with mm -hmm. all of this vehemently. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah and I sometimes feel that about the modern feminist movement that like we all need to like get together yeah. <laughs> and strategize. Yeah. Make a bit of a manifesto totally. about exactly what we want, what our objectives are, what our principles are. Yeah. Because it does feel like we're running in like different directions. Right. And then a lot of people who are against it are using that to like undermine what we want and to right. find like little like loopholes where we're potentially contradicting or they think something is wrong. Right. So yeah, that space for like gathering and mobilizing right. anger and change. Mm -hmm. But I guess in terms of your question, like how do we do this? Right. Socialization, right? Unless you have other ideas. So you're saying like normalizing like women feeling angry. Yeah. Yeah. Like not violence, but just like being upset. Yeah. And vocal about it. Yeah. Um, okay. How do we normalize it? Like, you know, yeah. Mm -hmm. So I tend to consider education as the solution to everything, okay. <laughs> which is potentially wrong. But <laughs> in like early childhood <laughs> education and primary school, middle school. Yeah. Um, and even high school, honestly. College too. Everything. Yeah. Um, kind of one grounding people in the fact that you live in a society where there is injustice. I right. didn't get told that. And I think that's an important key lesson. Okay. Um, and then what are the ways in which you can react, respond and deal with that? Yeah. And then presenting anger as a legitimate valid response and okay. then doing exercises to practice it. Like mm -hmm. how do you get angry or like how do you express in healthy ways your you know, disaffection or like disappointment with a situation. Right. And then how do you get the power back mm -hmm. when something bad has occurred? Mm -hmm. And you could make modules like easy peasy. Done. <laughs> Let's put it into legislation. Okay. So that's a policy perspective. A yeah, good one. Policy perspective. <laughs> I think, I think that's good. Um, I, what I thought for how we can help yes. women feel angry. I love that. I think, I think we'd make a good team because you're very like, macro and I'm very micro uh -huh. in these, in terms of these thinking. But for me, like, I think next, the next time that a person, probably a guy pisses you the fuck off. Mm. Right. Slap him. No, <laughs> well, we do not no. condone violence on this podcast. <laughs> do not slap him. Yeah, of course. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> what you should do though is baby steps 
A good baby step is to write it down, Mm -hmm. write down that this injustice happened to you and that you want to feel angry about it. Even if you don't feel angry about it, even if you'll feel guilty, if you feel angry about it, Mm -hmm. say that I want to feel angry about this because this did piss me off, Mm -hmm. you know, and then go to somebody that you trust, a friend and talk about the experience with them Mm -hmm. and see how it makes them feel. Because something that as women, we do tend to do is feel angry for others. Yes. Because we're so good at caring for others, being attentive to others. Something that we're very good at is being angry for others too. That's when our anger comes out. Mm -hmm. If you fuck with our friends, then (laughs) then we'll be very angry. Yeah. And so let your friend be angry for you. See what that looks like. And then if you can, join her in that Mm -hmm. anger. You know, so that would be my advice to you. Write down when you're feeling angry or when you want to be feeling angry about an experience, mm-hmm. share that experience with a friend, see if the emotion arises and try to practice that, get comfortable with that experience. And the second idea that I have is drive somewhere in the mountains and scream and mm, just practice screaming. Yeah. Periodic screaming. Gotta do it. No, seriously. Yeah. Let it physically out. That's what anger is. It's a physical response to mm-hmm an emotional experience, you know, it's very like, I'm angry. I need to let this energy out. I need to do something. And so scream, you know, Mm -hmm. go take like a boxing class. That's a great, I think women should 100% take boxing classes, take Krav Maga, Mm -hmm. do take some sort of class where you punch and kick because it feels so good. Mm -hmm. It feels good to let that aggression out, to be aggressive. Mm. Even if you don't have aggression inside of you, just to practice aggression. Yeah. Cultivate. Yes, exactly. So that's my advice. Take mm-hmm. a boxing class, rumble, you know, like one of those like cute little thirty, you know, the other stuff, there's stuff. Yeah. Uh, so that's, that's, true. Our, that's my advice. And I think also like change the political discourse a little bit. Like okay. when, if someone is talking or expressing their feelings and they're getting angry or upset or emotional, like make that a valid mm-hmm. response rather than shutting that down or eliminating them right. from the debate. But I wonder if there's also a caveat here. So we've talked about it in the context of women. Yeah. What about, you know, in terms of race, African-Americans, right? If, and we think about this in the context of police violence and racial subjugation, can you afford in America to be for example, an angry black man, right. when that could have really devastating consequences totally. in terms of your life. Yeah. So I wonder if, you know, again, it's a privilege, even like practicing anger or being able to have it because, you know, women are often viewed as harmless entities right. who can't do anything, who have no strength. So maybe we have more room to go in terms totally. of embracing anger now. Yeah. But I wonder if for certain groups like black men, it just would not be possible. Right. Which is like an even greater injustice. Totally. That you can't even access what you might need in order to make your life better. Yeah. Totally. I mean, it's, that's like another proof that anger is used as a way, the suppression of anger is used as a way to oppress a people. Mm You know, if a person can't even be angry without risking their life. Mm -hmm. So in that case, you know, like even more so for us to practice our anger when we have the chance to do so, to stand up for these people who can't even access that in certain situations. Um, But yeah, that just proves the point, I would say too. I don't have an answer. I don't don't Mm -hmm. know if you have any thoughts on like- No, not really. Yeah, but it just shows that anger is a tool that is being used to- 
to oppress people when yeah. people, when certain people can't be angry. Mm-hmm. And so because of that, we need to practice our anger, even if it's an injustice to us, even if it seemingly put, puts us down by people calling us crazy or nasty or rude or disrespectful, you know, or just animalistic or whatever mm-hmm. it is that they want to call yeah. us. We need to practice our anger to show that there's injustice happening. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, not only are we complicit, but we are uplifting and supporting mm-hmm. a view that is hurtful to ourselves. Yeah. So we need to stop that. Pretty much. I agree. Cool. So get angry, bitches. <laughs> yeah.